join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you as usual until 11 o'clock this morning. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? Doing good. Just doing good. Uh, bad day for baseball yesterday. The Illini lost 5-4. to four. The Cardinals lost 5-4. to four. But, you know, it'll be another day, right? Cubs won. Yeah. Cubs beat Detroit 4-2. to two. If you're a Cardinal fan and you stayed up to watch that uh, game uh, late out in San Diego, I'm sorry, (laughs) (laughs) as the Cardinals issued a dozen walks and hit three batters, and the Padres won 5-4 in a game that wasn't that close, but was still there for the taking if the Cardinals could have done something. Yeah, the Cardinals got a couple of late homers by O'Neill and Arenado, but Arenado came up the first two times with two men on and the bases loaded, and it wasn't his night then, but... Later on, he got two hits, so, you know, it's, uh, the timing is everything, and if you can get that big hit when the, when the bases loaded, it makes all the difference in the world. Well, the Cardinals, after that loss, are 23-16. and 16. The Cubs are 18-19. and 19. The White Sox split a doubleheader. Did you see where Joe Vazelli of the News Gazette picked the White Sox as the number one team in Major League rankings right now, and the Cardinals, too? How key, about that? Keywords there are right now. <laughs> but he'll Keyword do, is right there. Yeah, yeah he'll, right he'll do those uh, rankings from time to time. And, yeah, that's good. Cardinals are, I think, surprising some folks in maybe a not very strong division. But somebody's got to win it, and they're seven games above five hundred at this point. Coming up later in the show at 1030, we'll talk more baseball. Tom Ackerman will join us at uh, 930. It'll be Chester Frazier who will jump on uh, the air with us. First time as an assistant coach with us here on uh, Saturday Sports Talk. And uh, Brad Underwood continues to try to hire another assistant coach or two. Still not uh, not a lot getting out there. Now it's gotten gone kind of quiet here the last couple yep. of days. I'm sure he's doing plenty of negotiating. And, and the one thing he said, and, and I believe it's true, he's got a huge number of candidates that's Probably confusing the issue because if he thought he knew what he's going to do, now he's getting candidates that he didn't expect. Well, when the word got out of the money that uh, might be available, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> there's some of those candidates are trying to parlay that into a raise. By the way, did you see all that talk? We've been uh, talking about a million dollar uh, salary for uh, for Orlando Antigua. Uh-huh. It's actually eight fifty, and that's official. And Chin Coleman's is four fifty. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that uh, now it goes up what uh, twenty five uh, twenty five thousand each year. So he'll he'll be in the nine hundred thousand range, but it's not a million uh, at Kentucky. Now I don't know what Illinois offered, but I'm told it was a million. So I don't know. We've got the phone line open if you want to jump in here for the first uh, fifteen minutes or so, and throughout the the uh, program as well. Coming up at nine fifteen, Mike Turk will join us. He's the track coach at the University of Illinois. They're running the Big Ten Championships on uh, campus. We'll get an update with him. You know, it's a shame with all the good track fans that we have in Champaign-Urbana, and we have a lot in the region. They're out there. They've disappeared on us in the last couple of years, but it's a shame they wouldn't open that up 
they can't open it up. But it's a shame because just as we're starting to open up things, this is outdoors, and most people have, you know, I say most, a lot of people, a lot of the old-time fans have probably got their uh, vaccinations. It's a shame they can't go. We saw some, just a, a tiny group of fans watching Fridays, uh, you know, in the, in the paper. I don't think the longtime fans have disappeared. I think the interest in track has disappeared. Not to, yeah. not to, they're not to, those fans are not to blame for that. It's just you can't go see it anymore, and there aren't many home meets. And yeah, and then we come up with a Big Ten meet, which yeah. is a huge thing, a Big Ten outdoor that once upon a time would have drawn thousands. And uh, it's a shame no, too because they got that new facility there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, every, that's the word. It's just a shame. Well, Mike Turk will join us and give us an update on how things are going. Uh, uh, no public uh, ticket uh, situation for that. Uh, 28 fa- tickets per team. Yeah, family and friends. Family and friends. That's basically it for that. But uh, we'll get an update on how things are going. Lauren mentioned Iowa beat uh, Illinois in baseball and softball last night. 5-4 to four was the baseball final. Illinois struck out 13 times hmm. in that game. It was a strange game because Illinois trailed 2-1 to one going into the 8th, scored three runs in the 8th to go ahead 4-2, to two, mm-hmm. and what do you think happened? Yep. Iowa came right back with three in the bottom of the 8th. So a game that was virtually very little scoring up to that time, had three runs in the 8th, and then the, that was it, 5-4. Illinois is now 16-19 and 19 on the season. They'll play again in Iowa City today at 2 o'clock. You can hear it right here. The Iowa softball team beat the Illini 3-1. They'll play a doubleheader today beginning at 1 o'clock. The uh, Illinois softball team is 23-18 and 18 on the season. Phone line is open. Let's go to the phones. And Steve is with us in Princeton, Illinois. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, guys. Wet morning up here. How about down there? Not yet. So, anyway, I just was Googling, and you're talking about assistant basketball coaches and different things. And I came across it yesterday when I was Googling. I didn't realize Jarence Howard had left Kansas to be on the new staff at Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I never heard you guys mention his name. Yeah, we mentioned it several times. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I must have missed that. But mm-hmm. that, that was a surprise. I didn't think he'd leave Kansas for Texas. Well, I think everybody, uh, I think assistant coaches at some point, just uh, as was the case with Chester Frazier, you know, he, you, you, if you've been somewhere a while and he'd been with, uh, He'd been with Weber a long time and felt probably felt for his career it would be better. And I think that's probably what Jarens is thinking, that you need to move around and get more contacts and, and eventually uh, get that head job that he's been looking for. Do you think that was part of the reason Chin left to go to uh, Kentucky was, you know, work under a different experience, different resume builder? Well, y- yes, I, I kind of think so. I, I think that uh, – Chin, like everybody else, is looking for a head job, and, and this is a major step in that direction. Probably the, the big thing would be more money, too. So, but I thought Illinois was going to match them financially, but it just looks better on your resume being assistant at Kentucky than getting a head job from Illinois. So. Yeah, I think that Illinois did match them both, at least match them in terms of what they could earn, but uh, Kentucky's an awful draw, boy. It's an awful big draw. But anyway, I was just surprised when I found that Jarrett went to Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened several weeks ago, several maybe a month ago, huh? Yeah, so I must have missed that show. All uh-huh. right, keep it up, guys. I enjoyed that edition last Thursday. That was terrific. Thank you very much, Steve. Have a good day. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven 
is the number if you'd like to uh, jump in. A couple of other basketball notes as it pertains to Illinois. Jermaine Hamlin, who was in the transfer portal, has found a new home. He's going to play uh, down the road at Eastern. With Marty Simmons. Play for the new coach, Marty Simmons. And he might be, uh, Hamlin might be a factor in that league, especially defensively. He's, he's, he's got a good spring. Mm-hmm. He's got good defensive qualities. He's got uh, athleticism. But uh, as of this point, we haven't seen much from him offensively. Yep. So he's going to stay in the state. He's a native of Lincoln, Illinois. Illinois is in the uh, top list, or top six, for uh, Trey Mitchell, the transfer from Massachusetts. He lists Illinois, LSU, Bryant College, Georgia, Florida State and Texas. Well, I think that Illinois has for a long time been very strong there, and I don't know how the loss of the two assistant coaches will affect that, but it isn't going to help. The, 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 this is the recruiting really took, it took a hit now when those two guys left. There's no other way to, to say it than that. I mean, they were in on some players. They were in on, and of course, they had the commitments in store. Now he's backed out. And it's just uh, too bad because Illinois had things going pretty well with that staff. It was an ideal staff. They had Chicago taken care of with Chin. They had, you know, they had the international recruiting with uh, Antigua. Now you just got to start over. You said they had Chicago taken care of with Chin. Well, I'm not sure you ever have Chicago taken care well, of. Well, that's a good point, Steve. I mean, you're right. But he did bring in I.O. and he did bring in uh, Miller. Miller. And yeah. so... And I think that they're they're in on some players right now. I think they're back in on Casey, who uh, and and I think he's at least the second best player in the state coming up in the next class. Uh, so you the problem is you basically just have to kind of start over with your assistant coach. Now the head coach has a lot to do with it too. I mean I shouldn't say too. I mean that's obvious. He, Underwood is very involved in the recruiting, but you know you just can't be everywhere and and you have to. Uh, spread your people out, and, and these two assistant coaches were very strong in, in their areas. Yeah, they've got some ground to make up just because of the uh, the time difference now from the other guys leaving, and uh, uh, Chester is, was hired pretty quickly, and he's hitting the ground running, and he's mm-hmm. trying to do several sure. things. He's got several balls in the air. He's trying to move his family, uh, you know, 10 hours away, try to sell a house there, buy a house here, and, and make contact. So he's a busy guy. We'll talk to Chester Frazier at 9:30, but uh, and uh, you know June 1st it opens back up to where you can mm-hmm. get out, and uh, yeah. so I I know that Brad would like to have his staff intact. Oh, by he'll then. have it, he'll have it intact by then. That's a that's a key time. Also, another transfer who has Illinois on their list is Quincy Garrier. He has Illinois in the top four mm-hmm. with Arizona State, Memphis, and Oregon. I think Oregon will be hard to beat in that. Yeah, well, I, I don't know about that one. I. He's I, from Syracuse. Yeah, I, I, he must have been the, the third best player at Syracuse if Griffin was the second best. And by the way, Griffin's gone. He's left Syracuse, and he's going to try to turn pro. I don't think that's going to work out very well. I mean, as far as the NBA is concerned, I don't think that they're going to draft him. But uh, uh, I, 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 I can't figure him out. <laughs> I think that the family, I think in particular, just thinks he's a lot better player than he is. And you saw what Beheim did at the end of last season. He's benching him. And that's probably why he's leaving. He's mad because he got benched. Well, if he got benched, there's probably a reason for it. I think that Beheim wanted to play the, the, the players that would help him win. And he got in the tournament again. And, 
and uh, and he just basically pulled Griffin out in the early minutes of the last several games. Didn't put him back in hardly. No uh, firm update on the status of Kofi Coburn. He's still working out, and uh, there are uh, people that think that maybe he he would be interested in signing with an agent that is not approved by the NCAA, and I think people have tried to tell him not to do that just to keep the other option open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know exactly what he has signed or not signed in that regard, but he's going to test the water certainly. And We won't know anything until the 1st of July. Right. Have you looked at any mock drafts lately? Well, uh, yes, and but not this week. I mean, I did last week, and I saw where he was 54th in, in one, and I saw one where he was at the bottom of the first round, and I've seen others where he's not in at all. Have you seen anything later? later? No, I have not, but I did not uh, get a chance to check uh, this week. But we'll obviously keep an eye on that. That's a, a huge, in more ways than that, one, story. That, that mock draft is going to be shuffled when they yeah. when they see the players work out. I mean, we're we're looking at things right. You know, it's like trying to project next year's team and, and where it stacks up in the Big Ten. How do you know when, when the players, you don't even know who's going to be playing where? Right. There's a whole bunch of players that could return to, to various schools like Ohio State. Uh, there are others, I mean, like Illinois. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see where, whether those players come back because the players that, at that level can change everything because they're that good. Kofi's that good. Yep. A couple of days ago, the uh, Big Ten came out with the Big Ten basketball schedule, who you play twice, who you play once, and uh, that was kind of interesting, and I know you saw it, but uh, Illinois plays home and away with Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, Purdue, and Rutgers. They play home only against Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin, away only at Minnesota, Indiana, and Nebraska. When you... uh when you mentioned Wisconsin, I just wonder, for years and years and years and years, we've uh, underrated them, and uh, I'm about, about fixing to do that again because <laughs> I, don't, you know, I know they got Davidson coming back, but they've lost key players off that starting unit. I think they've lost about four of the five starters, or at least four of the top six, and um, I, I just can't figure out how they can keep doing it. I don't think they'll be very good this year myself. <laughs> Don't you no, dare say no, that. <laughs> I, I never said I before that I didn't think they'd be any good. I just didn't realize that, that they were going to be that good. Eh? Well, be that Always good. Always in the top three. I know. Two I years ago, they tied for the Big Ten Championship. How many people know that? I don't think they'll be that good. <laughs> but we've, as you say, we've underrated them before. But uh, that's the schedule. No dates or anything yet on uh, when those uh, games will be. But that's who they'll play twice and once and so on and so forth. It is uh, 9.15. We'll take a timeout and be back with more. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. Stay with us. 17 minutes after 9 o'clock, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock. Let's bring in maybe the busiest guy in uh, Champaign County this weekend. Illini track and field coach Mike Turk is with us. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys this morning? Good. We wanted to kind of get an update on the Big Ten Track and Field Championships at Demersion Park, how things are going. Got started yesterday, right? Yes, we had a great day yesterday. Weather was perfect. The facility uh, functioned um, magnificently, and uh, the times across the board, not just for our team, but throughout the conference, the performances were 
were incredible. So we got off to a great start yesterday. A lot of folks haven't uh, been able to see Demersion Park yet. Uh, tell us about it and what do you like about it and uh, and how it might rank in your mind among uh, similar facilities across the country. Um, it's awesome. Uh, we, uh, we have one of the things that we have and we put a lot of work into, we can contest all the events inside the infield of the track. So it's a um, it's an absolutely beautiful facility, but it's very intimate in that all the events are in the track and the way it sits with the berm um, to the west and the uh, seating on the east side, it, it kind of closes it in. It's just, it's a real uh, intimate atmosphere. Uh, I, I think our event staff has done a, a terrific job of creating a, a very positive, very friendly, happy environment. I mean, it, it's, people are having fun out there and um, you know, part of the facility, I think, um, some of the coaches, uh, we've had outstanding reviews from, from our colleagues across the conference uh, that have had a chance to be here. And, um, you know, I, I think functional, from a functional standpoint, we did some things. Like we ran through the multi-events yesterday, which is, um, you know, we have a pretty large field, over 16, I think, in, in both the decathlon and heptathlon. And, um you know, we have the ability to run multiple pits in the same direction for all the events, so we can split that up into flights, and it just makes it for a real nice, smooth, fast competition that's really conducive to high high level performances. So, um, you know, I'm I'm thrilled with with the facility. I think it ranks up there. It's, you know, I think um, in judging of other facilities across the country, I know that our track surface is as good as anywhere. It's fast and um, you know, it's comparable to what's down at, at other of the top facilities in the country. It's the same it's the same surface. So um, it's fast. Um, I know that there are some facilities that have more seating or or um, other amenities, but for what we want to do and in, in our focus and in our targets, um, it's perfect. And, um, and we have, you know, plenty of opportunity to expand and grow through the years as we um, develop and, and figure out some things that we'd like to do and, and maybe on a bigger scale. So um, we will always have those kinds of opportunities the way the facility is, is laid out within our campus. So it's it's outstanding. Well, it's too bad that uh, fans can't get in there to, to see it, at least at this time. They'll, they'll be back at some point, but that really would have been a nice uh, way to uh, to show off that facility. Yeah, well, you know, that's something that you, that's obvious. And, you know, that's the tough thing. It's a tough call for, or I shouldn't say it's a tough call. It's what we had to, um, it's just the policy and the rules the way they are. And, and we're dealing with it the best we can. I'm, I'm really thankful that we were able to have any fans in. Um, and um, I know that those people are really enjoying the experience and, and the student athletes are enjoying that. Um, you know, and, and our administration staff, we've been very sympathetic to that issue. And, you know, I, I think they've just, from the conference through our administration on down, there's just been a very high level support for the student athletes and their experience. And, you know, we've really gone the extra mile to try and do everything we can to add that experience from uh, having on free online TV coverage um, all three days of the championships, um, even on site with. Um, having the video feeds put up on both the uh, scoreboard at the soccer field and the baseball field, which are warm-up team camp and warm-up areas for us. You know, just little touches like that, making sure that all of our Wi-Fi and live feeds are working and 
um, those make a big difference, and, and we've knocked that out of the park. Well, Coach, this is Lauren. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, when does uh, John Davis run? What events will he will you have him in? What tell us about some of the other guys and some of the women that you think will uh, from Illini that will make um, you know make a hit th- today. Well, yesterday we had um, we had a few uh, finals. Yesterday we had uh, finals in the hammer throw, which didn't go as well as we'd liked. Um, our All American uh, Manning Plater uh, finished third in a in a very very competitive uh, um, event. Um, the two guys that beat him both had life, big lifetime personal bests, and, and Manning was just under his. So it wasn't like it was a horrible performance. He really did quite well. Um, we got a great performance from uh, senior Trey Chowdhury in the uh, javelin throw that came through with a sixth-place performance. Um, you know, he wasn't even on our team two years ago, and it's an amazing story of what he's gone through and, and the sacrifice and commitment that he's made to compete at this level. Um, we had, uh, of course, John Davis. Um, I know you asked about John. John did qualify um, in the 1500, uh, for the 1500 final, which will be on Sunday. Um, and uh, that's the last race he'll run uh, until Sunday. And then he's also entered in the 5,000 on Sunday, um, which is towards the end of the meet. Um, so that's that's John Slate. Um, we also had um, yesterday some great qualifying performances on the track from uh, Michaela Lucky and Olivia Hall on the women's 1,500. They both advanced. Um, I would be remiss, and it was just an outstanding, performance last night um, by Allison McGrath in the 10,000 meter run um, just for her to get in there and score at the level that she did she broke the school record uh, ran under 34 minutes uh, she's just been a remarkable story of the kids that have come through the program in the last uh, four years since we combined the program really been one of the front runners of our women's cross team and you know, just a, it'll be a night for her to remember for a long time. Um, Amira Duma qualified in the 200, a senior for us uh, yesterday as well. And and uh, another, uh, some local kids uh, or area kids uh, that, that did real well for us. Uh, Jessica Franklin, who's competing in the heptathlon, also made the 400 hurdle final uh, from Muhammad. And then uh, uh, Robert Williams from Springfield, uh, uh, redshirt freshman, um, had a lifetime best of 400 hurdles. Uh, I think he had the fourth or fifth fastest overall time yesterday uh, to make the 400 hurdle final. So those are a few. Uh, we have a lot of people on the track qualifying, uh, running for qualifying positions today. Uh, it, it's it's a busy day out there. Another minute or two with Mike Turk, head uh, track and field coach at the U of I. When you look back over the last 12 or 14 months, uh, how has how has your life changed? Uh, especially about the way you do your job with the pandemic and everything? Well, I, I do a lot more work from my uh, from my new office, and it's not my new office at Demersion Park. It's been my new office in my car. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it's been different, and um, it's been a struggle. So, um, you know, I, I think personally, professionally, it's certainly been difficult for, for everybody involved um, in our, in our operations and, you know, just juggling many different facets of this through the pandemic and dealing with um, protocols that are different outside the norm and, 
you know, whether we had spectators or didn't have spectators, you know, I know that's been a hot topic for us um, hosting the outdoor championship, but, you know, we competed through the whole indoor season without spectators. Um, we had an indoor championship without spectators, and um, we had indoor competi- uh, nationals without spectators and cross-country championships in the middle of the year, um, middle of the indoor season. So it, it's been it's been a whirlwind, and, and it's really been quite inspiring, and I know a lot of coaches can say this um, on our campus and because I've been watching, and you see the success that people are having in the way that uh, people are flourishing in really difficult times. And um, it's really been a joy to see, you know, see that within our program. And I'm just, it's, it's a real blessing to be able to be around the kind of people that we have here. Hey, Mike, we appreciate your time. We'll let you get back to work. Uh, keep up uh, the good work over there. Good luck uh, the rest of the weekend. All right, guys. Thank you so much. You bet. That's Mike Turk, head coach for the uh, track program here at the University of Illinois. The uh, Big Ten Championships going on at Demersion Park. Not open to the public, but there are some fans, uh, family-related fans that could get in there. Illinois has got the facilities to host this type of thing. And next year, I repeat, the tennis championships, NCAA championships, will be held right here. Imagine that. Outdoor championships. That'll be fun. It is moving up on uh, 928. We'll take a break here at the bottom of the hour and talk some more Illinois basketball. When we continue after this, stay with us on Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk. 9.30 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk. This is Steve Kelly. Lauren Tate is with me as always. And we're with you until 11 o'clock today on Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk. Let's talk some more Illinois basketball. Welcoming uh, to the program 2009 U of I graduate Chester Frazier and newly named Illinois assistant basketball coach is with us. Good morning, Chester. How are you? Good morning. How you doing, man? How's everything going? We're good. couple of old guys here catching up with you. We followed you, uh, obviously, as a player here, and we're happy to, to reconnect with you as you uh, begin your career as an assistant coach at the U of I. And uh, I guess it, these things kind of happen kind of quick sometimes, but uh, I'm wondering your first thought when you heard that, uh, that there was going to be an opening or two on the U of I staff. Was that... Uh, Something that uh, you jumped on right away? Honestly, no. No, um, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Honestly, I, I didn't even think about it until they uh, they reached out to coach. You know, Brad. I think reached out to Coach Young. Uh, and, it, and you know, at first it, it took me by surprise because you know they they just had a great year. And, you know, you had the rumors that you know guys may be leaving, but and then uh, you know I, I didn't I didn't know Brad well. I know I do. There's some mutual people that do Brad, but um, you know we had we had a really good team at Virginia Tech, uh, top 25 returning team, and, and and you know relationships on the on the team that that really you know made it hard for me to leave. But at the end of the day, man, this this is my school, so uh, I couldn't turn it down. Was there ever a time that you're sitting around in the summer and just kind of chilling with your family and and saying you know how good thing how well things are going but if a job opened at illinois would would that get your attention did it ever cross your mind that it might happen i mean to be honest man it it didn't really cross my mind to be honest um you know my career was was going in in a great direction and um you know i I never really thought about it 
just because they were doing so well and, you know, they had a really good staff. So I was just, you know, mainly focused on what I was doing over here uh, at Virginia Tech. So, you know, once Brad called and, you know, me and my wife, we sat down and, and really talked about it and, you know, we prayed on it and, you know, we came to the decision that it, it was where, where we wanted to be and, and where we needed to be for our family and, and you know, for, for our future. Well, you met your wife here and uh, she is originally from the uh, state of Illinois. So that kind of fell into place too, didn't it? Yeah, she's from St. Louis, Missouri, man. Um, she she grew up uh, a couple hours away. Her family, all her family, still there. We have a bunch of friends in, in, in Champaign and you know Chicago, you know. So it it, it made the it made the it, it factored heavily in the decision. Well, Chester, this is Lauren. I want to say uh, I told uh, Derek Burson that uh, I would miss your Zoom because I had my federal tax meeting, which was. T- Terribly disappointing <laughs> in terms of what I owed. But uh, anyway, I, I missed you that day uh, for a good reason. But uh, now I'll catch up with you. And let's just talk about what your role is now and, and where do, what uh, recruiting area will you be uh, emphasizing? Well, um, you know, I'm a basketball coach, man. So, you know, we haven't really, you know, me and Brad haven't really set out it you know, establish one particular thing, you know, it just wants me to be a basketball coach. And that's what I intend to do. Um, you know, as far as recruiting goes, I'm pretty sure I'll be recruiting all over. Um, you know, I've recruited all over at every place I've been. So, uh, I won't just have one particular area. I'll just be focused on, I'll, I'll be recruiting nationally, and, you know, also locally. Well, the, June 1st is uh, just a couple of weeks off. Tell me what happens on that date, uh, based on the new rules. Well, I think uh, June 1st, we're allowed to uh, begin having unofficial visits and uh, unofficial visits for the class of 2022 uh, and, and some 2023s. Okay, and, and so that means that you'll be hitting the road uh, pretty much at that point, right? How, how, is, that, is, that well, a, is that a permanent thing? How long are you out then? Well, we, we, we'll hit the road um, in the middle of the month. Uh, okay. There's a... Uh, you were allowed to, to evaluate high school uh, camps. So we're not allowed to see AAU events in June. We're, we're allowed out in July to see those. But there's two weeks, two weekends in, uh, in, in June that we'll be able to get out. Well, tell me why you wouldn't be able to go to an AAU event. That's where the players are. Why wouldn't you be allowed to go? Well, that's, that might be a question you might have to ask the NCAA. But yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> it makes no sense. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, Chester, have you a chance, uh, had a chance to meet uh, a lot of the returning guys yet? I'm guessing maybe not because some of those guys may be gone, but I'm sure you've reached out and, and made contact with them, and that's another part of the job, building relationship with the guys that will be here. Yep. Um, I've tried to reach out to all of them. Um, started you know, texting and, and, and building with those guys, just trying to get my feet under me, man. Uh, you know, had to sell a house, buy a house start building with those guys, uh, start talking to the, uh, the recruits that are signed. So it, it's been it's been a crazy, you know, last week or so. How much about this Illinois team do you know about? Obviously, you were busy with what was going on at Virginia Tech, but uh, I know you uh, had high things to say about Andre Corbello. And uh, do you get a chance to, to watch other games when you're so involved with another team? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I watch a lot. Um you know, I was a big fan of that team last year. Uh, you know, obviously with Io and uh, you know Kofi, those those two guys are 
you know, they were dominant, you know, college basketball players. But Trent Frazier was really good. I thought Carbello had, had some really good moments. DeMonte really stepped up. Uh, his shooting has, has improved tremendously. So, you know, the you know the, the other guys, so to speak, you know, didn't get a lot of credit. But uh, those guys, those guys were really important. Who uh, Chester? Who will be back in June on campus? Maybe going to summer school. Uh, I mean, who? I guess uh, ask it another way. Who won't be back? I assume that that, uh, for instance, Kofi won't be back in summer school. He he'll be doing other things. Uh, do you know how many people will be on campus? I, I don't yet. Uh, you know, you know, just assuming. Uh, you know, everything goes as planned. You know, obviously, we, we expect the freshmen to be on campus. I, I don't know yet. You know, obviously, I'm still – I haven't even moved in my office yet, Lauren. So, <laughs> give me a minute to, to figure some things out. But uh, we'll uh, – we'll, you know, as I as I learn more, I'll, I'll definitely keep you guys in the loop. Well, you know, Kelly and I are like all the fans. We just want to know as soon as we can. <laughs> we like, no, we got to know what's going on. No question. Did you uh, recruit the state of Illinois much – when you were at Kansas State and uh, at Virginia Tech, you got some relationships around the, this state. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, I know a lot of people in, in Illinois. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't recruit recruit the area as hard as I would maybe a, a you know a Florida or Maryland. Uh, you know, you know some of the other regions of the country, but I do have relationships in in, in this region. So, you know, obviously, I I, I know a lot of people and. You know, from you know, I've been, in, been doing this what ten years. So, you know, you, you start to build those networks and relationships. So, even though I haven't signed a player from Illinois, uh, I do have uh, networks here. Well, Chester, you played for Weber and you uh, coached under Weber. How tough was it for you to leave Weber after all those years with him? Oh, <clears throat> uh, very tough. Uh, you know, like I said, coach, coach Weber played for coach. Uh, I was a video coordinator. Uh, grad assistant for coach for a year so that's five years I coached with them for seven so that's 12 years of my basketball career that I, I spent with coach Weber so you know that's family you know first and foremost that's that's my family so um it was hard man but you know that when, when I when I when I sat down and really thought about it you know we, we had a great run at, at Kansas State we went to two, we won two big 12 championships together uh we, we made an elite eight run together we went to five NCAA tournaments out of, out of my seven years. Um, you know, so we, we had a lot of success. We won 50 games our last two years there together. Um, but it, it, I think it, it for me, it was time for me to go. It was time for me to leave the nest and grow and, and branch out. Uh, you know, everything I learned in the business is from coaching. You know, ultimately my, my next step or my goal is, is to be a head coach. So, you know, I wanted to learn something different. I, I felt it was time for me to learn something different. And then you couple that in, it what made it easy. You know, it was the East Coast, you know, closer to home, uh, my mom, my family, uh, my brother lives in Virginia. So um, it, I just felt it was time, you know, and it was very hard. You know, it was hard to, you know, tell Coach wherever, look, man, I, I think it's time for me to go. But, you know, I think, I think we, we, we came to an understanding on it. You know, Coach Weber's still my guy. And one thing you didn't get here as a player was a Big Ten championship, and then that's got to be a goal, obviously, now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we finished uh, in second place twice, man. And, uh, you know, um, I, I, I've won everywhere I've been. 
you know, uh, you, you know, look at overseas. I won a championship in, in Europe. Uh, you know, at Kansas State, we won it. it you know, it, in a short amount of time, we were able to turn Virginia Tech around. So, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've won. It's not, it's not, you know, solely due to me, but I've had a lot to do with it. But uh, I'm just accustomed to winning, and I love winning. I love competing. So, you know, yeah, to win a Big Ten championship uh, at your alma mater, man, that's, that's no, no greater feeling than, than, than the winning where you play ball and, you know, went to school and have a degree. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a dream and a goal of mine. Chester, you were a guard, and now we've got a guard named Curbelo. What have you seen of him? What do you think of him? Is he is he like anybody else that you've seen? Is he like anybody else I've seen? No, um, he's, he's really talented. Uh, he's got he's got a real special feel for the game. He's got a flair for the game. Uh, you just kind of just got to let him play. Uh, he he is very gifted. You know when he gets in the lane to make good decisions, um, he he accepted a role off the bench when he could he could start at any high major school in the country. You know, so um, you know I've been watching film on him the last few nights. He's, he's gifted in open court, gifted in pick and roll. Uh, he makes everyone better. Uh, you know I think you know as everybody knows his improvement could come from shooting the ball from the perimeter, but. I mean, he's so effective in so many other ways, man. He's getting nine points, four rebounds, four assists at the guards by 20 minutes. So, you know, when you give him the keys to the car, you can expect those, that production. And as you saw, with, you know, when Ayo was out, he, he really stepped up. So he's he's extremely talented, man. I mean, you know, it's nothing, no magic that I can come in and do with him except, you know, just get in the gym with him and, and you know, help him see the game and uh, grow and learn and, you know, build with him. See if you can keep up with him on the court. <laughs> I ain't going to have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing everybody remembers about you, Chester, is your toughness. I want to ask you, you talked about uh, the difficult decision leaving Bruce Weber. How was it when you left Mike Young? You weren't with him as long, but uh, you felt good about uh, things that were going on at Virginia Tech. What, what were his thoughts when this opportunity came open for you? You know, I consider Coach Young a really good friend and a mentor. Uh, it was hard. Like I said, it was an emotional. It was emotional. Man. I mean, I cried. He cried. Um, you know, we we built such a strong relationship in these two years and such a strong bond. And we've been through a lot, man. We got when we got the job at Virginia Tech. We had four players on the roster, and I told him, I said, Coach, you know, don't worry, we're gonna win. And uh, you know, he thought I was crazy. <laughs> he said, it's crazy. Friends, we ain't we ain't got it, man. But you know, we pieced it together, and you know, through hard work and development, and you know, you know long hours and watching film and scouting, uh, we were able to beat people. So that just that trust, man, it, it's, it's hard. You know, for him, you know, he trusted me, and for me, I trusted him. And that's hard anytime you can work for a really good guy in this business that that you trust, that you believe in, and, and you know you built a good product to put out on the court. That was hard. That was hard for for both of us. So it, it was it was emotional, but I think he understood, uh, you know, the dynamic of this being my school and you know closer to Sarah's parents and you know more help with the kids and you know so he understood. But you know, like I said, it was emotional. We got Illinois has Trent Frazier on the court, Chester Frazier on the bench, 
a lot of uh, Big Ten <laughs> fans are going to be thinking that uh, that Trent Frazier has been here since Tres- Chester Frazier left. <laughs> Seems like it, but uh, crazy. I actually recruited. I recruited Trent Frazier. Did you? At Kansas State. Yeah. Yes, what do you think of him as a player? I love him. I think he sacrificed a lot. Uh, you know, because he's talented, man. That kid can score the ball. He sacrificed a lot to win. He, he became. I, didn't, I never thought he would be this good of a defender uh, coming out of high school. So you know, he, he sacrificed a lot of his own game to to help the team win, and that tells me a lot about that kid. So he's tough. You know, he can make shots. He can uh, he can combo it a little bit, and he really guards. So you can win with guys like that all day. Hey, Chester, we appreciate your time. We know you're busy with all the uh, details and getting settled in and uh, getting settled out, so to speak, from your uh, previous home and location and such. But thanks for catching up with us. We look forward to seeing you soon. Man, I appreciate you guys. Lord, you still wearing those sweaters, man? I <laughs> gave them up. <laughs> I, I, but, but I haven't thrown them away. I can't throw them away. He's got a couple of you if you need throw something. Throw them away, baby. I, I told Dave Doerr down in St. Louis that one of these days we're going to have uh, sweater uh, battles again. <laughs> sweater wars. He's got some <laughs> as ugly as mine. <laughs> no doubt, man. I, hey, look, I'm going to bring you some shirt, man. We're going to swag you out. We'll make you look nice, all right? <laughs> hey, Chester, thanks. Good to catch up with you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. I appreciate you guys. See ya. Chester Frazier with us. Well, I'm my assistant basketball coach. Funny what people remember about people. Well, I'm telling you, we you, ha- Turpin you, and you I. You do have some of the ugliest sweaters I've ever seen. Turpin and I and Dor worked at it, <laughs> and every time we had a game in St. Louis, we'd wear those sweaters, and, and I'd say, "Dor, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen." And, and then, of course, Turpin would say the same thing, and we, we we just went around and around. We've got the phone lines open. We need to take a quick break here. If you want to jump in, feel free to do so. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven is the number Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this. 9.48 is the time. No rain in central Illinois at least at this point. And uh, 60 degrees out there on this Saturday morning. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you. Again, we thank Mike Turk for his time uh, half an hour ago at the uh, Big Ten Track and Field Championships in Champaign-Urbana. And thanks to Jester Frazier for spending uh, 15 or 20 minutes with us here, the new Illini basketball assistant coach. Some other things going on or will be going on first of the week. The uh, NCAA uh, golf tournament championships begin with regional play, and the Illini will play Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in Stillwater, Oklahoma. The weather forecast, not looking too hot, uh, looking kind of wet out there, but uh, that's okay. Everybody plays in the same weather. Illinois is the number two seed, led by Coach Mike Small. And then uh, Monday night at 6 o'clock down in Orlando, the NCAA Men's Tennis Championships resume with Illinois taking on number one, Florida. Yeah, and I will tell you that I, I wrote a column about this Sunday about tennis because they got... The draw they got the the roughest draw possible for a Big Ten champion. When you realize that, for instance, Ohio State has been in the NCAA Sweet 16 every year since 2005. Steve, that's a long time. That's the last year that Tylee was at Illinois. That's how long they've been in the Sweet 16, and they're in the Sweet 16 again. And Illinois beat them. And Illinois gets the 16th seed. Now, come on. That's terrible pairings. 
Yeah, it seemed like that for some reason that was almost done before. It was. They. What well, was done? So I was going ten championships. I, I know, but uh, yeah, why would you? If you were sixteen, in the minds of everybody going into that, you you had to move up a little bit. I would think. Well, they they started the season ranked in the top ten. And in fact, Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois were all ranked in the top ten at the beginning of the season. But what they did, they were all penalized because they played in the Big Ten and they didn't play outside. And the, the other members of the Big Ten, to be perfectly honest with you, are not very good. Iowa and Minnesota have given up the sport as of now. This is this was their last year. They're not trying. They're quitting. And the Big Ten is not very strong. And they they just basically downgraded uh, the Big Ten. Even though Ohio, Illinois won their last 19, they've got a 19-game winning streak going in against Florida. Yep. They're not afraid of, afraid of Florida. They think they've got a good chance against Florida. But you're playing Florida in Florida, and you've got to get used to that heat down there, of course. That's why they went on Wednesday. And there's just a lot of factors here that, that just don't seem to me to be totally fair. I think they should have been seated higher and have a better chance to win at least a match or two along the way but as it turns out they're uh florida's number one and they're number 16 and that's the way it is yep they'll play at six o'clock monday night down in orlando they're not they're not playing at the university of florida but they're playing in the state that's of florida right. that, it's a couple hours away but, yeah but it is you know there's a definite advantage for florida down there and, and there's no question about that and the southern schools have a great advantage from a weather standpoint all the way through the season we understand that too but I, I just telling you this is this is a very strange seating and and I don't think anybody in the Big Ten thinks it's fair and I know that uh, that you're not going to have Dancer say that because he he's he's got he made the you know he's got to play Florida and that's right. the way it is there's no point in complaining about it but I'm complaining about it because I don't think it's right. At least they're getting to play postseason where yep. Illinois baseball and softball probably will not be. Well, that's right. Well, you yeah. know. Dancers teams have been consistent. Uh, they've hosted the regional here right. year after year after mm-hmm. year and won consistently. And they've beaten Ohio State three times in uh, in the tournament, 2012, 2015. And this year, uh, which is a tremendous accomplishment to beat Ohio State because their talent is just overwhelming. They won against Illinois numbers one, two, and three. But Illinois won with depth. They won four, five, and six in the singles, and then they won the doubles point, which is unique for them because you just don't normally beat Ohio State in the doubles point. Right. Some other news this week uh, regarding uh, some Illinois sports or and Illinois sports. The wrestling team is going to move to the State Farm Center mm-hmm. after, uh, what, almost 100 years at uh, Huff Gym, Huff Hall. Well, I, I think... Uh, it's not Huff is not the greatest facility right, right now, and the other thing is that the uh, the high school tournament is held at the State Farm Center every year, and it's a tremendous venue for that. And uh, I, I know I'm sure Mike Poeta, who is a new coach, uh, pushed pretty hard uh, to, for that. I'm, I assume he did, but we we're, we were going to talk to him today, but he's not available. Maybe we'll talk to him about that next week, Steve. Had a text when I mentioned the uh, comment about. Uh, Everybody playing golf in the same weather. He said, don't assume everybody plays in the same weather. Look what happened at LSU in the women's tournament. Well, nobody played in that, in that, terrible? In that region. I, guess I, I don't know this, enough of the story, but they, they come out with this statement that the facility was not uh, uh, adequate. For yeah, the, my point was all the, if, if, the, if the event's going on, all the teams are playing 
the -hmm. same course in the same weather. That one never got started. Mm -hmm. But what they kind of put their foot in their mouth, they said, well, the course is playable, but but we're not going to play. When they could have uh, gotten some rounds in before it got too bad, but they ended up taking the top six seeds and uh, moved them along. By the way, we had a 90% chance of rain here at uh, 9 o'clock, Steve. It's now almost 10, and we haven't had any rain yet. Well, you look at the hour by hour, it looks like it's going to wait for a while, maybe overnight. I'm just thinking about the track meet. Yeah. (laughs) Which is just a few blocks from here. And the two-man better ball tournament is down at uh, Savoy National this weekend, too. They've got a a whole bunch of uh, two-man teams in that event. How come you're not in that? Well, we won it last year, you know, the senior division, but my partner is out of town this weekend. So you weren't available, so... <laughs> I'm never available. So I'm just going <laughs> to just step out of that. But uh, 9.54 is the time. We've got the phone lines open. Coming up in the second hour, we're going to talk to a couple of folks, uh, Joe Hendrickson, who joins us occasionally. We'll talk some high school basketball recruiting with him. And then at 10.30, Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. We'll talk some baseball. Did you see yesterday where Albert Pujols has apparently reached out in some manner to the Cardinals saying that he would entertain a conversation about uh, finishing his career there and then maybe being in some kind of value-added mentorship kind of role? Well, he can't play an infield position or an outfield position other than, I, mean, I guess, uh, first base, obviously, but the Cardinals aren't going to move. Uh, they're not going to make any changes there right now, I'm for sure. Uh, I don't know how he, he could be a pinch hitter, and maybe in September when they have uh, bigger numbers on their squad, but right, they're limited right now because they use so many pitchers. They used five pitchers yesterday. I hardly know their names. Five different pitchers that, you know, the, the bottom five pitchers must have pitched against uh, the Padres last night. Uh, with so many pitchers, it's, it's hard to work a guy like that into your roster, Steve. He, as great as he was and as and as much as they'd like to have him on the squad. Yeah, they uh, they walked, as we mentioned, a dozen guys in that game last night and and hit three other batters, so that wasn't good. And they had 10 hits in the game, but uh, not enough to win. I'm, I'm looking up there. They pitched um, Oviedo to start. He went two innings, two-plus, and didn't get out of that. And then Woodford, Webb, Eldridge, and Whitley were the other pick- pitchers. You got Wainwright going today. I know who that is. Yeah, you do know who that is. And, uh, <laughs> so Wainwright will go in that ball game tonight. A couple other notes. Uh, back to golf for a moment. Uh, uh, Dylan Meyer, former Illini, is playing in the Byron Nelson Classic. He made the, he he got in on a Monday qualifier, and he's playing Dylan Meyer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, remember him, little guy with the glasses. Oh, yeah. he, yes, absolutely. He could play, so he made the cut. Thomas Peters is also in that event as well. So the, a lot of uh, a lot of golf out there. Some guys still trying to make a living on uh, the. Uh, Various tours, the Corn Ferry Tour, and uh, got a couple in the Corn Ferry this week. Yep, Nick Hardy has been a, a mainstay there as well. It is a couple of minutes before uh, ten o'clock on the Line Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And if you've been thinking about uh, finding the perfect window or door, the Pella Window Store is the place to go. Whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, their showroom is the best place to start. 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you can see the products in person. 
You can discover the beauty of the wood windows, the ease of the between-the-glass blinds, or the durability of fiberglass entry doors. The Pella experts know all about what type of window or door might work best in each unique situation, and working with them is an easy process, and they'll be there for you along the way from the start to the finish, from the shopping part to the installation. So visit their showroom to get started, 1001 North Country Fair Drive, and learn more about the styles, materials, and options available to you. The Pella Window Team has the knowledge and the experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. Their phone number is 356-6474. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. Or check it out on the website at PellaOfChampagne.com. It is uh, 9.59, hitting uh, towards 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Back with hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-9397. Five three five seven. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hour number two with you until eleven o'clock. Phone line open three five six nine three nine seven. Thanks to Alana assistant coach Chester Frazier for spending some time with us in that uh, first hour as he uh, is making arrangements to uh, get to town and get to work as an assistant coach for uh, Brad Underwood on the Illini basketball side. Joe Hendrickson is with us from the City Suburban Hoops Report in Chicago. Good morning, Joe. How are you, sir? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. Just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the uh, staff situation at the U of I, the uh, couple of guys leaving and the one guy hired and and another one or two to be hired. Your thoughts on, on the turnover here. What are you hearing up there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unusual, uh, obviously when, you know, you, you lose multiple staff members, um, particularly when things are kind of going in the right direction. Uh, you know, it's more though, in this case, a product of some success and, and the attraction that those coaches a- a- have made for other people to, you know, try to get. So I, you know, it's tough. Um, they have a great, they had a great thing going in terms of just it seemed like some camaraderie with you know between coach underwood and and, and antigua and, and chin and, and 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 to break that up is never easy uh you know the good part is that you are in a positive light right now as a program you're headed in the right direction you're coming off success your roster if it stays intact is attractive so it makes the job appealing for for a number of reasons for coaches out there you throw in the fact that illinois has obviously been willing to step up and pay and uh you know in terms of being quite honestly one of the highest paid you know assistant pools in the entire country uh so you combine it all together and and you should as long as you cross all your t's dot all your eyes and uh make sure there's that fit that is for brad underwood as a staff you should be okay moving forward. Do you know much about uh, Chester Frazier, the coach? Well, you know, Chester has not done a lot in Illinois, a lot in Chicago. Um, but, 
you know, you get to know people in the business and, and, and one of my closest people as far as head coaches in the entire country over the last decade, uh, for me and my recruiting service. And you, you just get to know these people on a personal level and you, you develop friendships and you talk all the time. And the, I'd say the head coach that I probably know as, as well as anyone is Mike Young at Virginia Tech. And, um, you know, talking with him during coaching searches, both when he was at Wofford and, and also at Virginia Tech and just talking, we, we talked before and after, you know, uh, when, when Chester was going through this and, uh, making the decision and, and, you know, I talked to him this week and all I can say is I think Mike Young is one of the best coaches in the country. He's proven that with what he's done and the talent he's at all, you know, whether he's a offer or the ACC, he just wins. And he's also one of the most respected men in the business as far as just being one of the classiest, best guys. So when he tells me what he said about Chester Frazier, which was, I, I can't even tell you guys how much he raved about Chester Frazier uh, to me. And that was just me and him talking. It had nothing to do with any kind of article or story or uh, anything to do with that. That was just, you know, heart to heart, just one of our talks. And he just went on and on about the qualities that Chester Frazier brings to the table um, as, a, as a rising coach in the industry. Now, the, 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 the one thing, obviously, is he doesn't have a long, long track record of doing it. And, you know, but there's been plenty. If you're good, you're good. You know, um, you, you, you look at the history of assistant coaches, and if they're good, they're good when they're young. They're good when they're green. They're good with their, as they mature and get better. You know, you know, I remember when Jaron Howard was brought on to Illinois and um, with basically zero experience, even on being on the road and a high major and let alone any division one experience. And, you know, he kind of parlayed that first stop at Illinois into quite a career here as an assistant coach. And, you know, I think Chester Frazier is along those lines in terms of kind of a rising guy in the business. And, uh, you throw in the, the ties to Illinois and playing there, knowing the program, knowing the, the culture of, of, of Champaign Urbana and the university, it was just kind of a no-brainer uh, when when you check off all the boxes and you you had the conversations like the one I had with Mike Young. Well, Joe, this is Lauren. I'm going to switch you back to the usual recruiting talk. Um, first of all, just tell me, for the next class, who do you see as the one, two, three players in the state? How do you rank them? Where do you put Casey? How do you uh, line up the, the leading players in the state for 2022? Yeah, it starts with A.J. Casey. He is the number one player. He's a no-brainer high major. He's the guy that's going to be the toughest to get because of that. Uh, he's top 25, top 30 talent in the country. And he just looks the part. He's a prototype, you know, three, four, long, athletic, skilled, six, eight kid that um, plays at a high level at Whitney Young and Mean Streets on the EYBL circuit. He's going to. You're going to have to fight off probably some blue bloods for him, and and uh, you know he's just one of those types of recruit. And, and you throw in the fact he's a terrific kid. Uh, he, he is just, you know, number one. And, and there's not really a close. Uh, there's a quite a distance between him and everybody else in that class of 2022 in Illinois. Now, Joe, is he going to be at uh, Westinghouse? I'm, I'm sorry. Is he going? Uh, uh, where's he going to attend this year? He, yeah, he's still at Whitney Young. You know, Whitney he's moved around right. a little bit. Yeah, he started at Simeon, 
transfer to Tinley Park where he grew up uh, and played, you know, middle school ball and went back there for his sophomore year, went to Whitney Young this past year. So, yeah, he'll stay at Whitney Young and, and for his senior year. You know, Jaden Schutz, 6'4", 6'4 two-guard out of Yorkville Christian. Uh, I've labeled him one of the best shooters I have seen in Illinois in 25 years of doing this. There's no one been better. Maybe a couple have been as good. He is as pure of a shooter as you'll find. He's got a little bit of pop athleticism, um, you know, and a good size, but mechanically sound. It's pure. The release, he elevates. You know, I'm taking, you know, I'm taking some calls from some blue bloods on him as well. You know, the, the entire Big Ten is recruiting him. Uh, you know, so, you know, in this day and age, shooting is just the most wanted, needed thing at all levels of basketball, whether it be the NBA, college basketball, and he's the guy that provides that. He is one of the best in the country in shooting the basketball. So he's a legit high major, my number two player. You know, my number three player is a 6'9", six, 6'9 nine, six, nine kid out of Glenbard West, Braden Huff. Um, he's just an ultra-skilled 4-5 four, four man uh, who can dribble, pass, shoot, and you know, he plays for the Illinois Wolves, both Jaden and Braden, both play for the Illinois Wolves on the AU club circuit. Uh, a couple of Big Ten teams have been on Braden, as well as uh, aforementioned Mike Young has been all over uh, Braden Huff from Virginia Tech. Um, he's number three. I've got Cam Kraft, who's really been the one kid who's made a name for himself in the spring, in this weird spring where no college coaches can be out live and watching. He's one that's added four four or five high major offers just with his play and, and word of mouth and seeing video. And he's a six five two three man out of Buffalo Grove. He's a shot maker. Um, got decent athleticism, plays with A.J. Casey and Mean Street. So Cam Craft at Buffalo Grove, I got number four. And, and, and the fifth one, just I'll throw in there, is because he's local down there in central Illinois at Tuscola, Jalen Quinn, a 6'3 point guard. Uh, he also plays the Illinois Wolves. And, you know, I, I think he's a kid who continues to get more comfortable, more confident with the higher level he keeps playing against. And he's a big-bodied point guard at 6'3", with a great-looking body. He's going to get stronger. Perimeter shot is coming along. That's kind of the last piece that he's going to have to show to solidify himself as a high major. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of mid-major, mid-major plus programs. You know, it would be Atlantic 10, Missouri Valley, high-level Valley schools that are keeping their fingers crossed that he, he does not blow himself up to, to be out of their, um, you know, target area of, of recruiting and you know he's got a chance to develop and emerge in june and july as a high major uh it's just he needs to be seen he needs to continue to improve in terms of you know getting acclimated to that higher level playing of basketball which he will do with the Illinois wolves uh, on the club circuit talking and, you know, that's kind of my top five Good stuff there. Talking high school basketball with Joe Henriksen. We do have the phone lines open. We have a call from Ogden. Let's go with Bill. Got a question for Joe. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, I want to go back to uh, the assistant coach search. Like I called last week, I asked Paul Cleese the same question. You know, what are we looking for? We're looking for international experience, somebody who's matured, has been in the business a lot. Is there somebody out out there like that? And uh, hang up and listen. 
Joe, I don't know if we can answer that. I mean, it's, that's up to Underwood, isn't it? I mean, he's going. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, anybody he brings in is is, is going to have the experience. I mean, Illinois is just in the position to to they're they're like I said for all those reasons they they've got the money they've got uh, the, the programs uptick. Uh, I have no you know. You know, the one thing, I did a couple of these interviews and talks, and it's hard for me to talk a lot about individual names because some of the, to be honest, I talk with a lot of these coaches about the job. They call and they ask and we discussed. And um, I, I just know that the names and the, and the conversations that have gone on, they're, they're on the right guys. It, 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 piecing, I, I don't think people realize that the, it's tricky piecing together a staff. It's not the easiest thing in the world that, you know, when you hire one guy, it sometimes will take other guys out of the equation because you need a different guy to fit different roles and uh, different areas of recruiting and, and even personalities. So, you know, when, when one falls, you know, and it falls, I mean, they've got Chester in the fold now, now they can kind of direct and kind of zero in on a certain assistant coach that fits maybe some other spots and roles that they really want to fill. So um, I have no, you know, you always have opinions and, and, and there's, there, there's a handful of guys that Illinois has been definitely down the road with and talked to. And I've talked to a number of those guys individually, personally, and um, some of them are really good. And, and I, I don't, you know, we'll see who he hires, but um, I, I would anticipate it being, a pretty high-profile, pretty uh, well-connected veteran assistant coach. And we're also in the middle of a situation where we don't know where if Gentry's coming back or not. He could he could be hiring correct. two people? So I mean, I mean that would that, yeah, that would weigh uh, in also as as to how you go about it. Yeah, and again, it's one you know one piece at a time. We'll see how that that you know there obviously there's a lot of a lot of talk of that happening, and uh, we'll we'll see if that materializes. Uh, but you're right. I mean, uh, to replace all three, you know, again, you just kind of go down that road of, of, of one at a time, and uh, you've got your 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 list that you're going through. And I, I just, again, I reiterate that, that it's just not as easy as, as a lot of people think, and especially in this day and age, Lauren, because there is so much money at stake. I've been blown away. I'm writing about this a little bit in my next, one of my next columns. Just when one school offers a big boatload of money, other schools are coming close to matching. I mean, because the the money being thrown around to assistant coaches at the high major level, power five conferences is, is pretty remarkable, especially coming off, you know, the pandemic and all of the, um, the dialogue that we heard about money crunch. Uh, that has not seemed to be the case at the high major level because, there is a lot of money right now being thrown around to high major assistant coaches. Joe, what did you hear that Illinois offered uh, Antigua? Did they offer a million? Uh, I, um, you know, I, I've heard. I, I, I don't know anything more really than than what I heard. You know, rumor wise, with that, um, I, I just know that a lot of the numbers have been in the you know discussions with with guys of. North of five six hundred thousand. So, um, <laughs> you know, you're getting to that seven seven fifty that kind of range. You're talking, you're kind of blowing things out of the water with with some of the high major assistant coaching salaries. Which, you know, the high water mark 
really is when you're making 500, um, that's a pretty big chunk. So yeah, it, it used just, to be. To me, <laughs> yeah, and now it's just taken a big leap, um, and it's it's pretty remarkable. But I mean, I, I hey, it's it's not my money. Um, so uh, you, you go and do what you got to do to get the best you can get, and you you believe and you hope that if that's going to parlay itself into winning seasons and and ticket sales and the money replenishes itself is, is, is the grand hope. And, you know, we've seen it in football for, for years. I've just now in the last, I don't know, two, three years have watched it kind of change in college basketball where we kind of just skipped right past that three, $400 or $300 and $400,000 salary. And all of a sudden we're in these five, six and sevens, which, I, I don't know. That's just some, some massive money. For well, the, the Louisville paper uh, got the got the uh, information on uh, Antigua, and it's eight fifty, eight hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. with a twenty five thousand dollar raise each of the next three years. So he's going to go over nine hundred. Right. Yep. No. I mean, it's wow. Um, that's, that's, a, I mean, that's, it's, that's head coaching that's, numbers. Well, and another thing I'm writing about is just it's it's these assistant coaches. There's another storyline is they've really kind of are starting to take themselves, they're out marketing, out, uh, the, the salaries are, are preventing them now from realistically taking some of these low major, head, uh, mid major head coaching positions. Because making six, seven hundred thousand as an assistant, and a lot of these, you know, low major schools are paying 250, 200, 300,000 for their head coaches. Mid majors, you know, in the three four, you're 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 talking anywhere from two hundred to three hundred fifty thousand dollar pay reduction. <laughs> I know it's for the opportunity to be the head coach, but anyway, you look a walk of life, taking two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars out of your, you know, annual salary is is no small thing. So they've kind of taken themselves out of the market um, for being head coaches in some cases. Earlier this week, uh, A.J. Storr, who had verbally committed to Illinois, opened his recruitment back up. Um, has there ever been a guy, I'm sure ever is too strong a word, but do, uh, has there ever been, I'll just word it that way, has there ever been a guy that reconnected after he decommitted with somebody? Oh, good question. Um, I'm, off the top of my head, I'm sure it's happened. Um uh, it's definitely happened in football recruiting, but right. that's a different animal. They, they they decommit all the time and take official visits when they're already committed and whatever. So, um, you know, I, I don't usually know just because there's a sour taste uh, left in the mouth. You know, the higher level the kid is, the more uh, the more open I think schools and coaches are to, okay, we'll, we'll still take you. Um, I don't know if that is the case there with, with store. It's been a kind of a wild ride with, with him. Uh, you know, I have never personally viewed him as a high major, uh, prospect. So, you know, I, now he did move out of the state of Illinois. He was a Kankakee. Um, I've watched some of him even this spring and I still kind of maintain he's just, you know, on the cusp in, of being a high major, uh, but you know, he's just, to me, he's just got a few holes that, that I see that don't, 
identify as just this no-brainer high major player. Now, the other thing I always say in conversations like this is when I, when I talk like this is there's X amount of high major programs around the country, 13 scholarships at all those high major programs. You multiply that number, and I can't do the math right here, but you cannot fill all those spots with high major players because there's not enough high major players out there uh, to fill in terms of, quote-unquote, the legit high major. So you do have to dip down into you know, the mid-major level here and there to fill a roster, to, to find a big man that's development, or to find a shooter that uh, has some other holes. And you, you may not get your bona fide high major, but – so you know, I think Storr is kind of in that mold uh, as a prospect. There's another uh, downstate young guy. You mentioned uh, Jalen Quinn from Tuscola, a younger guy from St. Joseph Ogden, Ty Pence. Do you know much about him yet? Yeah, I watched him this spring, too. He's a nice nice player, got some good size, perimeter, 6'5", uh, can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that in terms of handling it, shooting it, got a good body. Uh, I like him. You know, he's a Division One prospect for sure. Um, you know, if he can become just this not pure, pure knockdown shooter, kind of, kind of changes the, the the opinion on him in terms of projecting him. Uh, decent athlete. So yeah, he's he's a bona fide, legit Division One prospect. He's just got to play it out here and over the course of the next year and kind of figure out just what level he will end up being. Joe, I got one for you. With all the players that Illinois has right now from other places than Illinois, and I think probably the only one that's going to be playing this year, correct me if I'm wrong, is Namonte Williams, and he's back for his fifth year. Do you see, with the talent that you've talked about with Shoot and Casey and, and these, do you see Illinois getting back in the mix as a recruiter for Illinois players? I think that's an interesting question right now, Lauren, because of what we were talking about earlier, the staff. Um, you know, the that that's the only the, – the first thing they got to do, what's so important, is to maintain the current roster, right? They need to make sure that kind of gives them some leeway here to sustain the success, keep Illinois in the limelight, keep them in maybe in the rankings and the NCAA tournament. All of that needs to kind of continue while whatever this new staff is put in place, when it's put in place, because it, right now it does not appear that the staff, you know, in, in terms of, and I, it can go a different direction, it can change, but just with the names that I've listened to and talked about with, with a variety of people, it does not right now appear to be that there will be a a a legitimate Illinois tied assistant. So that kind of lends itself to those, whoever is hired with, you know, Chester Frazier or whoever the next guy is, they're going to have to jump right in and, and, and kind of make some of these relationships quickly on the fly and, and do some work in regards to building those relationships um, with these AAU programs and high school coaches they should be in position because when Illinois is rolling, when Illinois is good, it changes the perception um, up here in the Chicago area for sure. Uh, so, to, you know, to answer your question, Lauren, I think that's a little bit up for debate in terms of how quickly they can jump in here with, with, with a kid or two. You know, this class is not loaded with high majors in 2022. I, I anticipate there being more in 2023 and 2024 which is good news for Illinois and a new staff because it gives them a little bit of time 
to kind of nurture some of those relationships, build them uh, while maintaining the success, which has always, to me, been the key uh, to, to being able to – it's obviously that Illinois is a completely different animal than Lauren, than you have covered Illinois forever. And there's never in the history of the program ever had this much out-of-state recruiting players from other regions of the country on an Illinois roster. I mean, it's not even close. And so they've taken a clearly a different direction, and, and obviously it's worked, and there's no reason to, to go away from that. And I think that's what you're going to see on this staff. Uh, and then Illinois, a byproduct of the success and winning, yes, you want to take care of your home state. I just don't think it's as important as, as, as it once was. Are you keeping up with the uh, transfer portal? Of course, there are several. You probably have the number of Illinois high school players uh, that uh, are on the move, including Adam Miller, who went to LSU, and Jermaine Hamlin, who went from Illinois to Eastern Illinois. How many other Illinois players are in that transfer portal now uh, on the college level? Well, I mean, it's um, it's been a an added part-time job of mine in the spring. Um, <laughs> there was close to three dozen uh, just Illinois players in, in the uh, Illinois products in the transfer portal this year. So, I mean, there is a long, long, long list of them. And it, it's just, that's become, you know, the thing that I've taken phone calls on that, you know, five years ago, I never took a phone call on. So they always kind of do their, their homework and their background check on this kid or that kid. And it's just, I, I hate it personally um, from a fan perspective. I, I just think it's, it's, I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just don't like it. Uh, I, 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 it's harder to identify with teams. I, I, I think it is literally free agency. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to work its way through here a little bit. Uh, because you think about it, everybody, if you're granted a, a waiver, you can be eligible immediately and everybody does it. Well, that second transfer is not going to be as, as appetizing, uh, to, to players. So once they get to that next second stop, they kind of have to lock in there and, and stay put for the most part, you know, still going to be multiple transfers, but, uh, I hope that, you know, at least then it would start to slow down just a little bit because this transfer portal is is not fun. Um, there's going to be kids sitting in that portal come July and August without a home. And that's where a lot of people are going to be like, whoa, what, what, what's going on here? And uh, yeah, that that's inevitable. It's just that's what's going to happen. Hey, Joe, we appreciate your time. Great stuff as always. Um, hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Steve. That's a lot, Joe. Joe Hendrickson with us from the City Suburban Hoops Report in Chicago, Chicago Sun-Times as well. 10.27 is the time. We'll take a break. We'll talk some Major League Baseball when we come back. We'll have the phone lines open if you want to join in right here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Moving up on 10.32, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're with you until 11 o'clock with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Let's go to St. Louis, where our friend Tom Ackerman from KMOX Radio is standing by to talk some Major League Baseball. Tom, good morning. How are you? 
I'm doing well. What's going on? How are you? Good. I hope you didn't stay up late for that game last <laughs> night. Uh, <laughs> wasn't worth it. <laughs> I stayed up not for the whole game, but late enough to to see the trend of all the walks and the hit batsmen, and I tuned out. But can we, uh, have, those, can we have those four hours of our life back? <laughs> no kidding. But with all that said, the Cardinals have a three-game lead in the uh, in the Central Division with a 23 and 16 record. Uh, let's get your thoughts on. Uh, what you think uh, as they've gotten to this point of the season? Well, that is the second best record in the National League, and it is the largest division lead of any team in baseball. So, I mean, you know, they've gotten to put themselves in a very good spot, but as we saw last night, they have some flaws. I mean, they're a good team, no doubt about it. Uh, They have a team that has a work in progress, really, in all areas. Except defensively. I think they're a really good defensive team. I think that their hitting is hot and cold. And as they showed last night, actually, they can explode at any moment. Like, it's it's kind of difficult to put a team away when you have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado in the lineup. And now Tyler O'Neill is starting to show that he can hit for power pretty consistently also. Paul DeYoung, who's on the shelf, also has some power. His average is really low. But the team does have that. Uh, they they really can launch the ball, but consistently not a not a great offensive team, at least not yet. The pitching has been really good, but the issue last night again walking way too many people and twelve walks just is going to lose you ball games. I don't care how many runs you score, it's, yeah, it's probably going to come back and bite you somehow. And twelve walks just won't cut it. So that happened last night. Uh, but otherwise, the Cardinals' rotation has been pretty impressive. I mean, Carlos Martinez is on the IL, but he should bounce back from that ankle injury. And then beyond that, the guy going today, Adam Wainwright, has been superb going deep into games. He's had some bumps in the road, don't get me wrong, but the guy was two outs away from being the only pitcher in baseball to have two complete games. Jack Flaherty has been superb. He's 7-0 and with a sub-3 ERA, around 2.5. And, uh, and then, you know, beyond that, KK coming back, pitching well Oviedo too many walks last night um you know the rotation John Gant tends to walk people but has gutted out a few games to try to go deeper into a game Miles Michaelis is on the mend it looks pretty good in the rotation for them the bullpen without Jordan Hicks has been a bit of a work in progress so I you know but but really good I mean Alex Reyes has been outstanding and then they've tried to figure out where everybody else falls in the line overall the bullpen's been tough so it's a very good team. I, I think they should be happy where they are, but you know they have one mission in mind, and that is to win the World Series. So how do you get there? You, you by the time October rolls around, you have to have won your division, and you have to be firing on all cylinders. And they're not quite there yet. You mentioned uh, Miles Michaelis. Is there an update on how close he might be? I think he's pretty close. He's been rehabbing in Memphis, and I think before long you'll hear an announcement. The one thing is. You know, they're going to make sure that the recovery is great, uh, but the rehab has been good. Um, Daniel Ponce de Leon, actually, you know, they had an MRI and there was some worry there about his shoulder, but uh, he is going to try to get back from the IL himself. He's going to throw for Memphis, I think, today, possibly. I don't know that they've announced that yet, but I think that he was going to try to throw a couple of innings on a rehab assignment. So that's really good, and that's where Miles has been. Um, but, you know, the last I heard is that he's been pitching well. He's had a lot of bounce in his step. He's, his personality is back. 
he's happy about where he is. So I think they're in good shape there. I think pretty soon you'll hear about Michael is coming back into this rotation. I am confused about the number of minor league teams out there. How many teams does do the Cardinals have right now with players that are in there? You know that would that they could call on. Uh, they can call on four. So they have Memphis, Springfield, and then two A ball teams, Peoria and Palm Beach. Okay. So it, is that yeah, normal? Been, um, yeah, they, they've it's. It is, and they've changed a little bit. You know, they had some lower teams in State College and in Johnson City. Um, so just overall, the minor leagues have been, you know, condensed, contracted, whatever whatever the, the case may be. I, I think that, it, that that is also a work in progress. I'd like to see what 2022 and beyond look like for the minor league cities. The one thing I really – that hurts is that, you know, there are some towns today that are not – seeing baseball where they normally would, but I am very happy for the other ones. Um, COVID was tough. COVID was tough on everybody, and the minor leagues were hit very hard. To shut down an entire system is is difficult, Uh, not only for the players themselves, but all the people that work in the minor leagues. And then, of course, the fans, who that's, to me, that's how we grow this game. You know, you, you have baseball available to watch everywhere. And our minor league system here that leads up to St. Louis is strong. I mean, Memphis, obviously, is a great city, vibrant, uh, a lot of fun stuff to do. Um, So some of our fans like to go down there and hang. But really, you know, watching these players develop and grow into major leaguers, both in Memphis and Springfield, a lot of fun. Springfield is a beautiful ballpark, Hammonds Field. Um, They've got two dynamic prospects down there right now on the left side of the infield in Delvin Perez and Nolan Gorman. Uh, really good catcher in Yvonne Herrera, who is eventually going to be the guy, I think, down the road. And he's he's just a kid right now. <laughs> All these guys are just kids. Um, but it, it's it's fun. And um, I'm really happy for them. I thought that May 4th was like Christmas morning for all those minor leaguers. They finally got to get out there and play some ball. And I was happy for Gary LaRock, who runs the farm system. He's the farm director for this team. Well, I go from there to a question about Albert Pujols. Tell me what you can. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all I can tell you and all I really know is that Albert Pujols has cleared waivers. And so that makes him now able to sign with any team. Um, it was last Thursday that he was designated for assignment by the angels. So by rule, he was still under contract with the angels for seven days. It was seven days from there to, for someone to pick him up off waivers and claim him. No one has done that. No one was expected to do that. So now he can sign with any team and uh, he gets paid the league minimum and the angels are on the hook for the remainder of his contract. Um, and anything beyond that, I'm not, not really sure how that all uh, works out uh, with his personal services contract that he had with the angels. I think my understanding is that that was something that would start after his retirement Mm-hmm. from baseball and it would be his option to do it so uh you know it, the way things ended for the angels you hear that it didn't end well that he wanted to be a, an everyday player and that's kind of how that that all came about and that's a tough way to leave and my first reaction was you know some sadness because i love the guy love the player great history here for sure 
Um, are the Cardinals interested? Gosh, I mean, I would think that everybody would at least talk about it um, on any team, and obviously his ties to St. Louis are very strong. Um, it is a, a, a tricky thing on the baseball side because if you're going to add him, if he wanted to play every day, I mean, he can't do that in St. Louis, right? He's not going to play first base, third base. I mean, that's taken, and there's no DH. But, you know, if he was willing to pinch hit or be a mentor to players or, you know, whatever, I think there would be a lot of teams that would then dive into that pool. Um, Who wouldn't want a legendary player who, by the way, hit the ball pretty darn hard. You know, he said, I I saw him quoted that he had, because he had five home runs in April, he had five home runs first month season so he was quoted as saying that he's been hitting the ball very hard this is before he got released that he was hitting the ball very hard and and just at people and we hear a lot of people say that well we went looked up the numbers he's not wrong I mean his numbers uh, were actually pretty good in terms of exit velocity and some of those other expected batting average statistics so uh, what does that mean can he still be a threat off the bench for somebody we'll see I, I can't tell you anything that's going on here. It's very quiet, um, you know, at the moment, and we'll see. I mean, I, I think it'd be fun per, uh, selfishly as a media member. Yeah, sure, love it. I mean, I and I love the guy personally. It'd be amazing. I mean, it'd be a marketing bonanza and stories galore and, and full circle and all that stuff. But you also have a first-place team, and you have a player who deserves to uh, get what he wants if he wants to play. You know, what's the best situation for him? So we'll see. I, I kind of take the stance of I'll let all that play out because I do know this. He's going to be a Cardinal legend for the rest of his life. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame. He's going to go in as a Cardinal. Let's let's be real. And he's going to wear the red jacket, and he's going to be there for all the ceremonies. He's going to be part of who knows what else down the road as a Cardinal. We're talking about right here, right now. What's the best thing for Albert? And I, I think his representatives and his family will figure that out. Talking to Tom Ackerman, we've got the phone line open, and Marty, our Cardinal fan in North Carolina, is with us. Go ahead, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren, and morning, Tom. And morning. Tom, with the exception of with the exception of one game where Illinois comes to Assembly Hall next year, I hope Indiana's new uh, old coach does well. <laughs> I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, we're excited about him. All right, here's. One of the things I want to know a little bit about, um, last night I saw that Tommy Edmond was slated. I didn't stay up for it, but I saw Tommy Edmond was slated to play short with the young out, and Carpenter's going to play second. My question is, why is it Edmundo Sosa isn't playing? Because I like Carpenter hitting an occasional three-run pinch homer, but his defense, his base running, his batting average other than some walks not very good uh and this kid they called up i watched him in the spring he's a pretty good bat he's not going to hit the home runs that carpenter might but he's going to bat at a at a pretty good average and a pretty decent on base and he's a little better defender so i'm wondering why are they stuck thinking they have to play carpenter and you're talking about max moroff right who they just called up when you said the kid okay yeah and, and more off, uh, you know, he's a really good player. And by the way, he's 28 years old. Like he's been, he's been around a little bit. He's gotten some looks in the bigs, and he got off to a red hot start in Memphis. Um, he's also a switch hitter. I'll tell you what, kind of reminds me of Edmund a little bit. You know, he he can hit. 
and he can field his position, and he's a strong guy, and he can flat-out play, I think you just keep an eye on that situation. I wouldn't say necessarily. I mean, they brought up Max Morrow for a reason. I mean, he's not just going to sit there. I mean, I think there's a chance that he could see some time at second base also, but I think it's pretty clear that Edmund is going to be your shortstop for the time being, and that doesn't mean that Edmundo Sosa can't play there. I think you'll see him there a little bit, but, I I mean, they're going to make sure – that uh, obviously to the Tommy Edmonds playing all the time, that's obvious. He's going to be at the top of the oh, order, yeah. and and Kill Carlson's going to bat second, and Goldschmidt's going to bat third, and Arnott's going to bat fourth. Like that's a guarantee, yep. one through four. Yep. So the question is, who bats five, and who does Mike Schilt trust batting five? And I know that uh, Matt Carpenter does not excite everybody, but Matt Carpenter is a lefty bat, and I'm not so sure they want to continue to to go righty, righty, righty right down the row. Uh, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. he's not had Tyler O'Neill batting five. Yachty is pretty good at five. DeYoung kind of owned it, though, for a while. Um, Carpenter is a lefty bat, and that definitely plays in his favor. If Carpenter was a right-hander, I don't think we're having this conversation. I think that he's a lefty bat that they still think at any moment could help them by getting on base because he does draw walks. Um, he does occasionally run into one and drive it over the wall. We saw that a couple times as a pinch hitter. Uh, but I, I would not discount Max Moroff. This guy can play. I think he will play. I don't know how much, but he's here for a reason because the guy is absolutely on fire. I mean, yeah. he started the year hitting 538, okay? And uh, they they don't mess around. I mean, the Cardinals ride the hot hand. So I would not be shocked at all, and they're not going to. I, I watched him in the spring, either. Tom, and he, he he was a pretty good stick in the spring for him when he mm-hmm. came in. Now, my question is, yeah, DeYoung was in the fifth spot, and it's nice, and Carpenter's this, but how many guys bat 185 to 215 do you want on your team? Well, that, and again, they're not. They don't always get hung up on the batting average. I know you do, and I do too. You know, I sit there and look at yeah. it. Yeah. Jeez, the guy's I want the ball in play. I want the you know, ball the guy's in play, Tom. One eighty-six or whatever it is, and then he ends up, you know, DeYoung ends up as soon as I say something, hitting a home run, or you know, he leaves yeah. the team yeah. at home runs. But you're talking about you want consistent hitters, guys that are going to keep the thing moving. Um, they they still have this belief that Matt Carpenter can do that. They definitely want Paul DeYoung playing shortstop every day. They believe in him. Yeah, uh, they're going to give him plenty of time and room to to improve matt carpenter is going to play for this team in 2021 i just i hope people get used to that he is going to play for this team in 2021 that does not mean and this is the final year of his contract that does not mean that he is going to be on the playoff roster if they get there you know that'll be a big decision that they make uh, at that Mm -hmm. point but for right now he's going to get an opportunity because they're really thin on lefty bats if they were to go out and get a lefty bat at the trade deadline, that could change things a little bit. Um, but we'll like see. Joey but right now, you know, it, right now Matt Carpenter is healthy, so they are going to play him. And they, it also works in his favor, and this is to his credit and his work ethic. He's not the best fielder in the world, but he can play all of them except shortstop. He can play. They could even throw him in the outfield if they had to, not center field. But he's a first baseman, second baseman, third baseman. That makes him very valuable to them if they need him in a pinch. Um, I, I'm I'm with you though. You know, if it were me, if I'm the manager and I'm not, I would have 
uh, at shortstop, I'd give Sosa a look unless I really thought in my heart that he can't catch up to big league pitching or something. I think we'll get exposed, and I definitely would give Max Moore off a look because I think he's a really nice player. Hey, Marty, thanks. We appreciate uh, that. Thank you, guys. Yep. Right. Hey, Tom, you mentioned the uh, the trade deadline. What else would you like to see uh, if you see a card, the Cardinals making a move? What might it be for? Should I give you the um, the one that'll melt the phone lines down? The, the, <laughs> yeah. the Max, Max Scherzer the one? one? It makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, Max Scherzer. So if you add Albert Pujols and Max Scherzer <laughs> to this team, you won't be able to get a ticket for the next uh, year. No. Uh, you know, Scherzer would be amazing. I, mean, the, I think the question is, what do you have to give up? You probably have to give up a pretty darn good prospect going the other way i don't i don't think that that's a question i think you're gonna have to give up something you're not going to be able to get them for a, a bag of baseballs i mean you're going to have to get to do something so that's a question and the cardinals obviously love their prospects um but man you know wow right but if your rotation is really good by july then fine just keep going but you know who wouldn't want to add somebody with that kind of experience and, and down the stretch, a hometown kid and, you know, with great desire to win a championship and all that stuff. I mean, I think that'd be great. That's exciting. And that might be more of a dream than reality. We'll see the re the realistic acquisition at the deadline is what I mentioned. Lefty bat would be kind of fun if they can find one um, that makes sense for them. But definitely I would be looking for a lefty reliever. Yeah, you know, I'm not so sure about the future of Andrew Miller, and I I don't know what exactly happened to Tyler Webb. Although uh, last uh, I saw him last night, he looked pretty good, striking out a couple and walking off the field. But he's also walked a lot of people, and you know his ERA ballooned because he had some blow up innings. Uh, and you know the one competent, awesome lefty reliever you have right now is Henesis Cabrera. He's been dynamite. So. Would you like to have a veteran lefty in the bullpen? I would. I, I So I'd like to see how it plays out here for the next couple months, but that would probably be my choice at the deadline. It's, and that's not that's not going to melt down the ticket lines, but that's what's going to make your bullpen really, really tough. Well, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on as the, the Cardinals on the field are interesting as well at 23 and 16. Tom Ackerman from KMOX, always appreciate your time. Always good to talk baseball with you, my friend. Always a pleasure, guys. And how many years have we done this? And don't I always say that this this organization, this team, it is a daily adventure. I mean, it's it's fun. The fans are exciting, and it all there's always something cooking. It seems, and uh, this team is is fun. Uh, we didn't even talk about Nolan Arenado, but you know what 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 is there to talk about except that he's fantastic and he's really good. You know, it really has been a fun year. It really has. I'm I'm excited to be around this team all the time and see where it goes. Who oh, knows? oh, real quick, real quick. Uh, what's yeah. the situation with fans as you see in July? Oh yeah, good point. Um, well, I I think it could be sooner than that. So the the Cardinals told me, and this was on the air. This wasn't privately. I mean, they said this. The vice president of ticket sales. Joe Strom said they're only selling by homestand right now in June with the hope that they could go full capacity sometime in mid to late June. I, that got my attention. Okay. So, you know, could they go full capacity and how does that happen? 
the city has to see vaccination numbers go up. So the Cardinals did a clinic Wednesday through Friday, a vaccination clinic. If they see positivity rates continue to go down and vaccination numbers go up, and, of course, the announcements recently by the president and by the CDC and by surrounding cities and counties, that, that helps. They have increased uh, their ticket inventory for this Pirate Series. They've gone up to 60% roughly for the Cub Series next weekend. And by June, who knows? I mean, you know, if, if things continue to go and if people are vaccinated, I think there's a really good chance they could end up close to full capacity, which now Nolan Arenado gets the real Bush Stadium experience. Exactly. Good information, Tom. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you. You bet. Tom Ackerman, sports director at KMOX in St. Louis. It is 1052. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. Stay with us. 1056, Alana Pella's Saturday Sports Talk coming down the home stretch. Appreciate uh, you listening uh, this morning. Had a text earlier about when we were talking about the NCAA tennis tournament down in Orlando. wanted to know if WDWS would be covering it. We will not, but you can go, I'm sure, to NCAA.org and uh, click on championships and you'll be able to watch a live stream of that, I'm guessing. I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure that's right, but I think it is because I've looked at some, uh, some other events there as well. So try that. That's uh, Illinois against Florida Monday night at 6 in the NCAA Championship. So uh, you mentioned what you're writing about tomorrow, mm-hmm. and remind the folks again what that is. That's well, about, that's about the tennis team, right? I just think it's unfair that Illinois, the champion of the Big Ten, conqueror of Ohio State, like very seldom that ever happens. Ohio State is still very good. They just beat number ten uh, Wake Forest in their own regional. They won two matches in their own regional so to advance to the top 16 again. So they are once again a top 16 team, and Illinois isn't. I mean, Illinois is not rated that. Illinois should have been somewhere around 10, 9, 8, 7, somewhere in there nationally, even though we concede that the Southern schools have advantage. Illinois has done everything uh, that could be asked of. 19 consecutive wins is sensational, and you shouldn't be ranked that low particularly after you won the Big Ten by beating Michigan and Ohio State the last two. All three of those schools that were ranked uh, in the top uh, ten at the beginning of the season, and they constantly went down because they didn't play anybody. They, the, the explanation is they didn't play anybody outside the conference, which is true. But why did they fall so far? And Come why in. would Ohio State fall so far? Ohio State fell completely out of the top 20, actually out of the top 25. This is a 22-3 and three team that uh, just, as I said, just beat Wake Forest, to, 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 which was number 10. If you're going to drop Ohio State that far because they lost to Illinois, you should bump Illinois up for beating Ohio State, who well, has I would think had so. the di- dynasty in the Big Ten. This is an obvious case of, uh, of, a, of just a missed guy. And by the way, the coaches poll, there are other polls that rank Illinois high. But the problem is the ITA, which which uh, sets up the, the ratings for the uh, tournament, uh, put them down to 16. Which, by the way, they, which they barely were able to host their own regional. Because if you get beyond 16, the only way you could host would be if one of the other 16 couldn't host. We are out of time on this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 
I'm told that next week we'll be doing the show from the Qantas Pancake Breakfast at Bromley Hall on uh, the University of Illinois campus. Which we've done many years. We have. This is WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks to Dave Leak as well. Have a good weekend, everybody.